0: This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com.
1: Does it ever get old to you? It's like a new thing for me every Monday.
0: Every time we do it, it's it's one of the best moments of my whole life.
1: Oh, that makes me feel so special. (laughs) Thank you for not emotionally manipulating me as we begin this episode.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's my goal. Uh yeah. Yeah. So, which you know, I think that that's you introduce it perfectly. <laughs> way to way to have <laughs> way to have a pro transition. Right into the topic of emotions with teenagers and you know where is the line for emotional manipulation versus using emotions properly, right?
1: Yeah, exactly right. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, my name's is Chris. Uh, obviously, we're hanging out with Jeremy. And the two of us um, spend time every Monday on the Youth Worker Recharge, just having a little bit of fun and kind of trying to tackle different topics um, that are meaningful for those of you that are leading ministries with young people. So whether you are a, a volunteer leader of youth ministries at a local church, you are fortunate enough to be uh, paid or on staff, um, our conversation's here for you. And, and we got into this one, um, probably because Jeremy has heard me complain only several times about the movie Coco that came out from Disney Pixar. (laughs) And if you have not seen Coco, right, there's there's a grandmother figure in the movie who's uh, losing her memory and she's dying, right? Um, And at near the end of the movie, part of what brings her back or brings her memory back is um, this little kid playing the song that her father who left under mysterious circumstances, you know, um, him playing like the original version of that song again to the grandma and the grandma comes back alive and the whole family's watching him sing this song and everybody that's animated gets the glassy eyes and starts to, you know, kind of tear up a little bit. And I ugly cry every time that darn scene comes on <laughs> and I feel so emotionally manipulated by that particular scene it's kind of funny um but it's because i've been so emotionally engaged in the thing the whole time right like the the movie kind of got some hooks in me and got me feeling um and operating a different part of my system than like the logical part of uh, of my myself right um We actually wrote a little bit about this in one of our crash courses for youth ministry um, called Speaking Adolescent, and I'll make sure to put that in the chat. Um, But Jeremy, before we get into like the emotional part of things, will you help people understand the difference between like the logical system and the limbic system when we're talking brains in the uh, teenage mind?
0: Well, so the logical system is all the things that you kind of imagine uh it's the, the sort of making causal relationships, uh, forecasting things. Uh, for example, uh, you know, we I think the classic metaphor is you're driving a car, you see a car coming towards the intersection, and you realize they're going too fast, you are gonna hit it. Your brain forecasts that before you get there, you put on the brakes, and then you stop it. That's how it works. It's the sort of like logical causal forecasting functions that happens in something called the prefrontal cortex, that is um, the sort of higher levels of processing. And that um, is not functioning well, always in uh, in an adolescent brain, Is their brain sort of rewires itself. It's what makes them make all kinds of interesting decisions. Uh, Another thing that does that is this limbic system, which is the sort of uh, one- Uh, (laughs) One writer called it the lizard brain, Uh, but it's that, you know, emotional center that, that controls our feelings. It also controls our fight and flight uh, part of our, uh, part of our system when we are challenged, when we sense danger Um, and, uh, and that's sort of a, a deeper part of the brain um that happens in the nucleus accumbens
1: now when when you say that it, the word deeper right like it, it's really really interesting when we're talking brains and adolescent development because it it literally is right like yeah um, actually the, the, the brain as it develops and as it gets built right it it kind of like um you could almost imagine it starting at the brain stem that part that Connects to mm-hmm. your spinal cord, you know, that runs down your neck, and then builds layer upon layer upon layer as you head up this way, and and everything that is about forecasting and that that idea uh-huh. of what is going to happen in the future and all your logic and those things, that's up here, and that's the part of your right. brain that is among the later to develop. So uh, a writer who yeah. would call like the base of the brain, the lizard brain, or a primitive brain, is where uh-huh. emotions live. It's where reactions live, and mm-hmm that's the part of the brain that helps us survive. Certainly. Yep. Um, And when we're younger, it's the part of the brain that we have that's fully functioning. So (laughs) you're exactly right. The way that we make decisions and choices um, changes, we get older because our brain gets more developed and you get more of the prefrontal cortex and the stuff up here as compared to the emotional reactions that are in your limbic system.
0: That's right. To, you know, Chris, you said that we wrote about this in, in the uh crash course on youth ministry called Speaking Adolescent. Yes, um, can you kind of give us a sense of what what a give people a taste of what's in there? Uh, before we actually jump into the discussion about uh, emotional manipulation and how we deal with that kind of uh, All
1: right, for sure. I'll, I'll give you a, a couple of really, really uh. Uh, quick quotes. And uh, Jeremy, you were the primary author for this one. So um, I'm quoting you back to yourself, which doesn't feel weird at yeah, all. But right. Here you go. Right. This, is, uh, this is what Jeremy this is what when met
0: Sally, Nobody's yeah. ever quoted me to me before. <laughs>
1: um, here's, here's some of Jeremy's words from Speaking Adolescent. Brain science is starting to provide some answers for the emotional mood swings that parents dread and we witness during the course of youth ministry. To oversimplify, the emotional components of the brain can be lumped into something called the limbic system, and the limbic areas of the brain are important for motivation, reward, and emotion. They are central in terms of the brain's structure. In the teen years, the limbic system establishes new connections within the brain, and in doing so, becomes more sensitive, but not more acute which also means not quite as fine fine tuned, right, for several years. Um, So some of the reasons that you might see teens have what to adults seem like emotionally explosive reactions to stimulus for their brains uh, is because of these new connections that the limbic system is making. Okay, uh, emotions and feelings are a part of everyday life, and every one of our God-given senses can trigger an emotional response. Formational and transformational discipleship experiences often occur because of what we might call, quote, divine effects on the head and the heart, end quote.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'll tell you a story that is not Disney-based. Um, but i was at a um at a youth camp when i was growing up and the preacher uh began to talk in graphic detail first about exactly how the crucifixion worked right in really graphic gruesome detail then went from that Into a very graphic depiction of what he believed about hell, which was eternal conscious burning and painful punishment. And the whole time, what is happening in teen brain Mm -hmm. is that limbic system is being engaged, right? Uh, He is... Getting us to a place where we feel there is an imminent danger, mm. right? An imminent threat, and um, and listening to that as an adult, you can listen to that and be, you can have all kinds of thoughts about it. You might critique his uh, his interpretation of scripture. You might critique the way that he is talking or the appropriateness in the context or whatever. But uh, for a teenage brain. It it is just extreme fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it's scary. There's a lot of fear, and all of a sudden he said, "You don't want to end up like that, do you?" Uh, and uh, and he said, "The only way is if you come down to this altar right now and pray and ask Jesus." To, and he goes through this these. For fear to and um and i i got saved at least five times that night right <laughs> like like it was it was scary but that was emotional manipulation right yeah. right uh because it it what it was uh playing on that fight or flight mechanism in a group of students that were sort of emotionally sensitive, like developmentally, particularly emotionally sensitive. It was the end of the week. Everybody was tired. They were also physically tired. Like there was all kinds of things wrong with it. And and so the what emotional manipulation is in ministry, at least this is how I kind of define it. And I'd love to hear how you sort of draw the line. But for me, emotional manipulation is when... Um, we use emotions to subvert the will of the individual, hmm. right? So the idea is that, in, that somebody's own choice is sort of negated by the way that we have used or employed emotions. Um, where I really, what I remember of that moment is that there was no, there, all the seats were empty right, when he made this altar call, mm-hmm. um, because he was very good at scaring people. Um, and when, Go ahead.
1: I, I was going to say, if, if I can ask, you know, about that story that you shared, um, there's also something in that emotional response uh, with, you know, fight or flight and and that piece that also then ends up kind of feeding a, a bit of a herd mentality as well. Right. And mm-hmm. so when you say all the seats were empty, there's always going to be that, you know, person or two who's having the strongest emotional reaction or who's going to be bravest. Right. And, and if it's an altar call kind of a thing, go up there first. And then if there's a movement of people, you know, sooner or later, you're going to feel left out if you don't go up and do that thing. Right. right. And so right. sort of another layer to the manipulation is that social emotional piece. Where if you're setting up a situation where somebody has to go up and, and do that altar call or be a part of remembering that baptism or whatever it is, or else they're going to feel left out. And, you know, after you break the activity, all the other kids are, you know, several of the other kids will go back to that individual that didn't go up and be like, well, why didn't you go up? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. There's another layer to it too, that I think is just a fine line to have to walk.
0: Right. We all use emotions. Emotions are part of how we communicate right? Yeah. When I'm trying to tell people like that God loves them, I would love for them to feel that God loves them. Right. Um, But so, so the fact that emotions are involved in some sort of youth ministry experience doesn't mean that it's manipulation, right? For me, that's, and that's what I was curious about where you draw the line. For me, the line is like, when I am sort of using emotions as a tool to sort of subvert the will of the people there yeah
1: yeah Um, i I think that's a really really great definition actually um you know so like the the educator in my background right like the the teaching part of myself knows how important it is to be able to like engage multiple learning styles and Mm -hmm. to be able to have those experiences of the head and of the heart um because you can't just all have one or the other, right? Like if, right. if you just got a completely logical approach to youth ministry, it's not going to connect nearly as effectively as if you're able to connect the thoughts that you have with emotions, right? Like when you're doing Bible studies and those kinds of things, um, I love being able to ask questions about like, okay, so how would it feel if you were the person in this story, right? If, if you're going to do the parables and you want to do a, a really famous one, you're doing a Good Samaritan, right? Um, right. And you ask students to try to step into the shoes of different characters in that story. So how would it feel Mm -hmm. to be the person that was beat up and abandoned by the side of the road? Um, How would you feel when the first person walks by, the third person walks by, when you finally get taken care of, um, when you're being transported? Like Those kind of connections for me are healthy. Yeah, right. Like like being able to make emotional connections with lessons that you're learning from scripture, um, Mm -hmm. I, I think is really powerful.
0: And I think even, even sort of one step further with that is when you can, when you have the time and you don't always have the time, but when you have the time to, to, to do sort of uh, perspective shifting, so doing that with that character, uh, the, the person that has been, um, left by the side of the road. And then I now want you to imagine yourself, you're the priest, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And you sort of build up and have them make that emotional connection with the priest to understand, like, why would some, like, this? not just a, you know, comic book villain, right? Like, what are the emotional reasons that somebody might have for for not doing that, for not doing the right thing?
1: And in the places where I live, um, you know, if I'm going to take another step and say, okay, (laughs) the next time I walk by a homeless looking person (laughs) with a sign, and I don't give them any money. What are my reasons for that? And how do I feel right. about it? And is that what God would ask me to do in that situation or not? Right. So right. being able to, to create these emotional connections is genuinely important. Um, and to, to get back to my definition, I guess, I mean, when, when we're talking about something that's emotionally manipulative, I love the word that you chose in terms of like subverting someone else's will. Um, and, and I think that I would agree with that. Um, I, I also think that if you look at the root word of uh, the root words of manipulation, it, it does mean something that's very hands on, um, that a person in mm-hmm. power is using their power or using their influence to right. get someone to do something or say something that they would not normally do. Um, right. and, and that's where the manipulation is, right? Um it, yep. If I've stayed up too late, uh, if I've stayed up too late watching TV and um, some of those ads start to come on that make me feel really bad about not giving money to places in the world where people are starving, right? Right. Those would be case studies and emotional manipulation a little bit, right? Because you are seeing graphic footage of people starving um, and Mm -hmm. then calling you into action. And yeah. using your emotions to become a larger and larger part of your decision making process. And, and I that's guess right. for me, maybe maybe that's where I, I come down on it, where I, I really want youth and I want adults too, right? I, I really want everybody to be able to make reasonable decisions, right? Like look at options in front of you, use all the senses that God gave you in order to yeah. form your opinions and form your thoughts. And when somebody's manipulating emotions, it's firing those things up so that that becomes the primary driver of any decisions that a person would make. And and I'm trying to think of some other examples, I could see it, right? Like we're in the US, we're just coming out of the the political election season. And if you looked at any of the political ads that would have been put on, a lot of them prey on fear or prey on emotion and and fire up those emotional reactions. So that's where your decisions are coming from. Um, I'm also thinking about, Oh, man, the movie with uh, Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ.
0: Yes, 100%. Like, it, yeah. just, it,
1: when, when we're talking about manipulating and, and firing up that fight or flight or that emotional response to a story, the way that that movie is told, it is absolutely trying to manipulate you into thinking or feeling one way about right. the experience that Christ went through during that that passion story or the Easter story. Yeah and i think that's
0: a really interesting case too because the it's giving you this it's very emotion heavy right it's very lighting up the limbic system um and it doesn't end with a plea to ask you to make a specific decision yeah right and so like if you in one sense it's it is manipulating it is like it is crafting an emotional space for you to live in when you were experiencing that story and that's its own thing and i think that if it had gone one step further i would have i would have a real problem with it right it's not just a sort of artistic expression based on the uh passion of the christ uh traditional story especially through that sort of uh traditional catholic lens um it's not it wouldn't have just been that right it would be something a lot more and a lot of churches have used that to they'll play the movie it ends and then they <laughs> they <laughs> make the decision they call for the decision um and, and i think so there's a couple of things. So there's that place of emotional manipulation. There's also emotional manipulation that can happen. Um you mentioned power dynamics, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so there is trust, it's this sort of emotion of trust that uh that people feel towards pastors, youth pastors, people in church leadership. And they will allow things to happen at church or on a youth trip that they would never allow mm-hmm. to happen in a classroom, for example. Sure. Um and and that's why um there are pastors who uh intentionally use that trust to um to subvert people's will and get them to do things for them, to give things to them that they would not normally do or give. Um, and then there's people that that if they're unaware, there can be emotional manipulation happen that I think sometimes is uh, is not as sort of actively wielded, right? Yeah. Uh, this is why sort of safe sanctuaries is important. Um, because as a youth worker, you walk into a room, into a relationship with an amount of power that you might not just automatically be aware of because the amount of trust that's placed in you and, um, and then students might, uh, can, uh, can say things, can do things, can express things to you that, um, that that become problematic, especially when their their limbic system starts to get signals from you that you are not sending. Um, And so understanding that that there's uh, being really just hyper vigilant with that to adult role, with all of those things so that, you know, parents are much more cautious with teachers, right? if there's a teacher that's just at the school by themselves at night, they're not going to just drop their kid off there for a one-on-one meeting with that teacher. Mm-hmm. That happens at churches, right? Mm-hmm. Dropping them off at the youth room to talk to the youth pastor. And that is that trust um, that in some cultures in the United States still exists and uh, and can cause all kinds of difficult emotional uh putting it into difficult emotional space where you can um, you can engage with people in a way that that might not be healthy. And you and if you're not aware of the power dynamic, if you're not aware of the trust, you might not be able to foresee what's going on and, and see what you're doing in that sort of um in that manipulative space which it, it might actually end up being.
1: So since you brought up safe sanctuaries or safer sanctuaries, right? Which, you know, for a long time has been talked about uh, as abuse prevention and risk reduction. Right. uh, The word vulnerability is just fascinating in this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, uh, manipulation, like we're talking about it, may not always have to have a negative connotation, right? Like you can certainly try to manipulate things in a positive way, even right. though the process that you're using to get to that positive end is still manipulative and, and upon reflection might not be the way that you wanna go. Um, But when we're talking about, um, you know, transformation and change, often we talk about allowing ourselves to get into vulnerable spaces, Um, to be in a place where there is trust and you can be vulnerable is an invitation for the Holy Spirit and is is an invitation to be able to change. Um, And so how do you, you know, make sure that you are navigating and following your Church's policies and procedures related to mm-hmm. abuse prevention and risk reduction um, right. while building space for that vulnerability, right? Because when yeah. the limbic system is fired up, you are in a vulnerable place and you are going to make yes. decisions that have real world consequences, yeah. um, even though they may not be the decision that you would normally make. Um, I'd love to hear your right. thoughts on that. And then I got one other one that I thought of before we closed. Sure. Well, I, you know, I think that's important. And and what
0: so what it means is getting into a vulnerable space is part of what happens, right? It's part of where you're guiding students and and when you are being intentional and aware of the, the way that you might be able to inappropriately manipulate people right it's it's important to uh it's important to to realize that like i'm going to go in careful right mm-hmm. i'm going in and, and i know this is going to be a vulnerable space i know it's the last night of camp everybody is tired and all that kind of stuff so in, I, i'm not going to try to push people into huge things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to invite them into reflection. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to invite them into listening to God. And and, and I'm going to try to invite them into sacred space, but maybe tonight is not the night that I'm going to ask them to make a, you know, life path commitment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For career or for whatever. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and what's the, your other one? End of the mission trip, right? Like, okay. Yeah. So you coming back next year. How may
0: want to be a missionary?
1: Yeah. You know, like you're right. You're right. Um, all right. So the, the last one I thought of was um, it, it came up in that, uh, you know, situation you were setting up related to, you know, people getting dropped off at church and those kind of things. We also got to remember that, you know what, like youth and kids are great at this too. It's not oh, as Yeah. adults are the only ones that know how to emotionally manipulate people, right? Like I have a, at home, I've got a sixth grader and a third grader and man, they, they know how to push my buttons, right? Like they, yep. if they're trying to make something happen at home, they absolutely, without us ever talking about the limbic system or emotional <laughs> manipulation or anything <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. They know if they want to emotionally manipulate me, how to do it, you know? Right, yeah. And it's just a fascinating side effect of where they are developmentally and, Uh you know, what that says about the relationships that we have with the people that we care about. You know, often Mm -hmm. it's easiest, uh, you know, unfortunately, really, it's easiest to be able to manipulate those that you're closest with or that are closest to you. Right, right. Right. Um, And so being aware of that dynamic as well. You know, if if you've got youth uh, or, uh, I mean, even volunteers, right? Other people that are in your ministry, but um, recognizing that some of them may emotionally manipulate you by putting you into vulnerable positions and then asking you to make big decisions. You also have to be able to, you know, skillfully navigate out of that space and not get trapped yeah. into making a choice or a decision that you would would not normally make, if that makes any sense. at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent true. Being careful to guard your own sort of perceptions and emotions and all that stuff in those places, so that you don't end up, you know, going off the rails. And uh, you know, <laughs> I, I remember uh, we had a youth worker who went to um, went to a conference and. They had one of the like child sponsorship things, oh, and yeah. they went it they just got hooked and very emotional and brought home ten kids that mm. they just believed that God was going to give the money every month for the next ten years mm. And uh, they weren't going to be around for ten years, right? That's a very unusual amount of time for youth workers to even spend in a place and to bring home, all of that. It was it was a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, and having to sort of process that with the kids that were there and with the youth worker that was there, and um, you know, being really careful because there, you can also fall prey to that and make decisions, make commitments that you just can't you can't hold up.
1: Always. Yeah, Yeah. Well, fascinating conversation today, Jeremy. Thank you so much.